recording has started. And here we go. We'll do that again. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 454-454. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today I have my regular co-host, John White. John, it's Wednesday, October 17th. How are you doing? Doing really well, Eric. Uh, the color of the Bay Report, it was a beautiful blue. I think it has something to do with the bright, bright sunshine we're enjoying up in the Bay. I have to say, um, I was in uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul, um, Minnesota era, area the last two days, uh, so I have the color of the lakes report, too, um, and they have a, a nice light blue, but I only saw about eight or nine lakes, so that's, what's 10,000 minus eight or nine? Um, yeah. That's, that's right. how many. Yeah. They do, a, up in Wisconsin and uh, up, up there in the, in the Midwest, they do have a lot of water and a lot of lakes, and uh, I'm happy that it's blue, and it is certainly blue here. We're, at, we're having some really nice weather, a little bit of a late summer season, got a little warm, had to have the AC on. So, yep, it's uh, nice here in California. Uh, on the show today, we're doing uh, power sessions in AWS with Dan Illison. Uh, Dan is a cloud solutions architect, knows a lot about cloud technologies. And uh, in the vein of uh, marching into VM World Europe, uh, we are going to have power sessions there. So thought we'd have Dan on to talk a little bit about the power session he's doing at VMworld Europe, as well as some of the overall architecture around uh, cloud solutions and our solutions on AWS. I've had some really great discussions uh, with, with, with Dan around all the AWS offerings as we ramp up into AWS. We'll talk about that. Um, and, and so having Dan on uh, is, is going to be interesting because he has a lot of information about you know, our strategy around cloud offerings as well as a great power session uh, that he's going to be at VMworld uh, doing, I believe. So we'll talk to Dan in a minute, but we've got a lot of news that's, uh, that's happening. So um, first thing we'll talk about, uh, Corey, I, I think you're on the call, so let's talk a little bit about VExperts. How are you doing, Corey? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. Thanks for having me. Fantastic as always. Um, so some 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 news about V Experts went on this week. Uh, we can talk a little bit about V Expert Pro. So I, I heard Pro got uh, kicked off. Why don't you give us a quick summary of the Pro program in general, and we can chat a moment about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we kicked off the uh, V Expert Pro program, and the V Expert Pro program is a uh, a collection of V experts in region who are. Um, Helping, uh, helping with the VXR program, whether it's uh, recruiting or translating content, uh, re recruiting more V experts, translating content in local areas. Like, so, so one of the things that we've recognized in the VXR program is everything we do is in English, right? And we really don't market to those areas in, in non-English speaking regions uh, very well. And so we, we created the VXR program to kind of help, help us do that. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that was kicked off um, it was kicked off last week and by Valdesir, and uh, really excited about the program. Yeah, yep. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta say that um, if I look at my Twitter followers and my engagements, that people that say, reach out, say hello to me, and you know, engage with me. Sometimes I don't have enough time to engage with everybody, but I would say that seventy percent of uh, my discussions with people on Twitter now are international people, right? From from Latin America mm -hmm. to uh, APJ regions to to uh, to EMEA and 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 so forth. It's it's like it's it's a broad reach of the the the, the community as a whole and certainly uh, taking the the expert program 
into countries, into language, makes a lot of sense now. Right? So excited yeah, about absolutely. that. A little bit of a little bit of storyline there. I know there was some some discussion on Twitter around you know how did you become a VXPR Pro? How we how we selected who was going to be a VXPR Pro? I think that we probably missed the boat with respect of explaining what a VXPR Pro actually is. It's a it's a program to have recruiters to help people in country uh, understand what the VXPR program is, uh, kind of like what Val did in the LATAM region, uh, where he's been you know driving the the VXPR program in Brazil for the last couple of years. And we've seen a large number of VXPRs come out of Brazil now because, one, they know about it. Two, they have someone to engage with. So the program was really looking to um, to, to, to model that across in in other countries so um good to kind of set that clarity uh cory i know that when we first kicked up the vexpert program way back when uh i worked with john and i think i gave him a list of 25 people and said because john was kind of hesitant on whether a vexpert what was a vexpert and what would the program do and how it would work and i just yeah. sat down and said here's a list 25 people invite them let's run it Right. You know, and then we'll grow it and we'll figure out what that means. But, you know, let's kickstart this. Right. I kind of remember, I, you know, I grew up on a kind of out in the country in Ohio and we had a pond and we had a, a pump that irrigated our farmland with, a, you know, a well. And every once in a while that well would lose prime and you'd have to go down and fill up a gallon jug of water from the pond, dump it in the pump. You know, there's a bolt on the top and you'd have to dump it in the thing. And that's called priming the pump. Right. And and right. in this case, yep. for the expert. Pro, you know, we did select a number of uh, people that we chatted with. We talked about the program, and then, you know, we got the gallon jug of water, dumped it in the pump, and turned on the power, right? And it gurgles a lot, and it bubbles, and you have to know when to put the bolt back on, uh, but the pump primes. And so, in a very real sense, the VXR Pro program, we primed the pump. We went out, we looked for, you know, 25, 30, I think we ended up with 40 people that we know have been doing this kind of activity in regions. We looked through right. APJ, we selectively found some V experts in APJ, and we, we, we primed the pump. And where did that list come from? I think it was the Eric list, right? Uh, <laughs> or maybe the Eric and Corey and Valdesir list. Um, Val list. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Val list with Eric, I mean, I definitely had meetings with him where we went through APJ people and just looked and I talked to people at VMworld, asked them if they were interested in this. And really, these people are going to be people that help us grow the program as well as help us govern the program. So as we've reached out with Martin and others around building the app and doing stuff, we're absolutely moving into this world where, you know, experts help run experts, right? So that's also a, right. a good thing. The pros become that. What are we going to do as we go forward to, to invite other people into this program if they're interested in working hard to help us grow the program? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, as you know, we're opening the expert applications on November 1st. And along with that, we're also opening applications for current experts to apply for VExpert Pro. And so, uh, so we'll see those applications open up here in just about two weeks. All right, good. So, so building that into the tool itself for subprogram applications, just like we do with uh, NXV, NSX, vSAN, Cloud, and others, right? So, uh, understanding right. that this is a different criteria. This isn't just 
you know, okay, here, look, I'm, I, I think I'm a pro, right? This is what are you going to do in country? What are you going to do to recruit people? How are you going to translate content? What are you, what are you doing to actually build a program in country where, uh, if we look at uh, the experts in the 50 countries that are out in the globe, you know, we might have one or two V experts in some of the, some of the countries. So definitely by choosing. And, um, the idea is that could we have more than one pro in a country? Absolutely. Like I could see five yes, pros in a sure. being, being the base of that. Yeah. So good. I'm excited about it. Right. Absolutely. I, I hope you, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's the pro thing. Thanks for thanks for taking us through that. I know that hit social a little bit this week. So always on a community podcast, we're willing to talk about things that are hitting our channel. So uh, good to, good to chat about that. And excited about the program. And congrats to the forty people that we managed to recruit or, or basically raised their hand and said, "Yeah, we'll help." So I appreciate that. Second thing on my news list before we get to Dan, I think I have a couple. And uh, and John White, I'll I'll touch base with you see if you got some. Kripa. Uh, Kripa, you uh, went to Singapore uh, to do uh, DevOps days uh, uh, in, in Singapore. I think it's at the Microsoft co- conference. How'd it go? It went really well. It was uh, our first time going to a purely developer conference, and we got almost 50% of the people that attended to sign up for VMware Codes. It was great exposure for our community. Yeah, nice, nice. I think you were out there with, uh, with Kyle somebody, Reddy. Kyle Reddy, the the man yeah. himself was out there. So did you go? Did, did you man a booth? What was it? What was that yeah, like? Yeah, so we had a booth, and we were with a bunch of other companies. Coincidentally, we're right in between Dell EMC and Pivotal, um, so same in our within our family of brands. Um, but yeah, we had a booth. We get, we raffled off some workstation and fusion licenses. Spoke to a bunch of developers, right. asked for ideas, and yeah, right. we had a great time. Good, good, good. I think uh, some people think that uh, the, the community business is this fun, you know, high scale, big, all VM world kind of activities. But the, the truth is, uh, I tell people you actually build a community one person at a time, right? So when you talk about booth, it's not really a booth, is it? It's pretty much a table, half the size of the table that we're sitting at right now, just with a couple of things in front of it but yeah it's some pretty, stickers exactly. and uh, yeah you right yeah. i mean one-on-one individual saying hello to people you know getting to know them and talking about the value prop of the community in general yeah exactly it's pretty right. intimate you're spending a lot of time with one person which you, do, you can't really do at vmworld because there's just so many people coming through right right and that's the kind of stuff that we actually like to do right and most yeah. of the community building activity is in this land of you show up uh you took the stuff in your luggage, right? Like, I did. Uh, yeah, I you, the pop-up, everything. The pop-up yeah, yeah. With a fragile yeah. sticker yeah. on it. I feel like one of those wandering salespeople sometimes. Like People don't understand that that is the community business. A lot yeah. of building community is about showing up, dragging your suitcase along with you, with a half, you know, Noel Greer will tell you, you know, you got a suitcase full of t-shirts, you got stuff to give away, you've got a list to sign up, and you're just there to meet people and say hello and and, and enable them to be part of the community ecosystem. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, Singapore, great. We're, uh, it's nice to get out to APJ and do more yeah. stuff in APJ as, uh, as engineers and Developers are obviously, you know, there's a lot of, you know, activity going on in that region. So CS showing up more. We're always interested in sp- sponsoring meetups and code events in general. It's a it's a community program where we're we're sponsoring things. Uh, so yeah, good work on that. Uh, fun times. What's the next one? Uh, I mean, next up is Barcelona. So uh, Barcelona, you're running a meetup too. Yeah, soon? I have a meetup next Tuesday so at Prophecy Cafe. 
Prompt yeah. Cafe, you're live streaming Live streaming on our Facebook page. Right, right. So if Good. you can't make it in person, right. follow us on Facebook. Got to say that we had uh, 4,500 downloads of the podcast last week. And, wow. Uh, and then another 1,000 on the Facebook live stream. So, you know, doing these things in physical presence but also having a live uh, streaming event allows people out there in the ecosystem to come in and watch, say hello, and have a virtual slice of pizza. So. Yeah, that was a big thing that I got at APJ. They were all asking, do you guys live stream your events? Do you live stream podcasts? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. All right, well, cool. Thanks for thanks for giving us that update, and thanks for flying all the way to Singapore to do that with Kyle. Neat. Uh, VMworld Europe report. Uh, we I have been seeing the sessions. Uh, we have, uh, you know, V Brownbag is going to be there. Alistair is going to be there. Uh, the session reports, I think 80% of the sessions are... 80 or 90% yeah. full or above. I think we have a list of maybe 20 sessions that still have room on, in them, right? Some power sessions Not in even. the code area. We have about 12. 12 sessions in space. Yeah. Right. And uh, we are in the same spot that we were in VMworld last year. So I'm really excited about that because that's a really good high volume traffic spot. Everybody gets to say hello and hang out there. We've got the blogger tables, three blogger tables, not two like U.S., uh, we have uh, I, we provisioned a bunch of Raspberry Pis again, so we'll be giving away 30 or 40 Raspberry Pis from the Makerspace uh, sessions. Uh, the Leota guys are there. The, uh, I haven't got my order for the barometric pressure sensors. I got to go track that down. But everything looks green there. Getting excited to go. Um, and so watch out if you haven't. There's a few sessions that have openings there, and we always have standing room in the U.S. We had a lot of you know there was there was 20 20 people standing around at various times. Uh, so it should be should be good good Ben. I think we're all ready to go there. And then on the uh, AWS side, um, we'll talk about AWS here. Um, we did get our booth rendering for AWS. So if you're going to go to AWS reInvent in Vegas, you want to stop by. Uh, we've invited uh, Alistair and V Brownbag. So he's going to be doing a call for uh, V uh, Brownbag sessions. Um, so he'll be there. I think Alistair's going to fly out and be at the event. And uh, they're going to be live streaming some of their sessions on, 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 on their on their site, as well as doing a call for some sessions. And I think we're going to get those in uh, AWS uh uh, the session builder, they're not in. We're sending in the list, I think, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow for the ones we have. Yep. And then the community ones will go in next week. So everything's green there. We're going to have Raspberry Pis. And uh, if you're watching the live stream, or you can go back and watch the live stream on facebook.com slash VMTN community, uh, we post the live stream here. We're going to do something once, the first time ever, we're going to show a graphic of the booth that's going to be at... Uh, uh, at AWS reInvent. So if you're interested in looking at what our booth is going to look like, um, I think, uh, Julia, are you going to switch it up now? Is it already there? Probably it's already it's, uh, there now. You can go look at this timeline and check out what the booth is going to look like. Uh, it's a 30 by 30 foot booth, and um, the we have concentric rings of s s chairs. I think there'll be like 40 40 chairs you'll be able to look at, at the, uh, be able to see, sit. Um, that's where the sessions are going to be happening, as well as the, the sensor sessions uh, for the makerspace tables. And then they have some, uh, a delineator of whiteboards uh, with uh, makerspace tables that are going to be there. So we've got, uh, we got those set up. We're going to have uh, pedestals where you can walk in and get your sensors. Uh, we're going to have a code booth in one corner and an espresso bar in the other corner. 
if you're looking at these uh, these renderings, the renderings never really look that appetizing because it's kind of missing. The, you know, it's what the rendering tool gives you to build yeah. the booth, but you can kind of get the sense of the layout. Uh, and sometimes the scale isn't exactly accurate. Um, so understand that uh, that's what our booth's going to look like. Uh, we're going to have you know, uh, it's going to be slightly different than this, but uh, we are busily working on it. This is draft two. We went yeah. back and forth, and we'll get back draft three uh, shortly, and we'll be we'll be there, excited with a with a barista making coffees and uh, and running sessions. And I think we have uh, about thirty some sessions uh, that are all very technical, all all developer centric, a little bit developer centric, some a all AWS centric. So um, a lot of AWS subjects. We are we are a seller of software on Amazon these days. So yeah. uh, it's it's good to it's good to understand that. And uh, and that actually you know transitions me before we go into our guest. Um, I'll, I I noticed John joined us live in the session. So hey, you are now no longer a voice. Now no longer a voice. I do have oh. a bit of news. Oh, yeah. Well, hit us with the bit of news. So, VFair uh, 6.7 U1, update 1, um, was a stage and I think went live yesterday. So, uh, the latest version of vSphere, vSphere is out. The bits are available. Um, if that's what you're waiting for, uh, it was announced at VMworld. Now available. Now available. Always good to get now available um, because you know, we announced this stuff. Krippa, thanks for joining. We'll see you again. When you when thanks when you're around, me. yep, 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 good. Uh, just checking chat here. Uh, oh, thanks. Likes the design. Good to like the design. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It's 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 not as cool as we want. It's going to be concrete floors. Uh, I'll get back to the AWS design yeah, for a yeah. second because I'm looking at chat. Um, news on the V Expert Party. Just watching chat. News on V Expert Party. Uh, we did book a place. Uh, we invited Pat. Uh, we're taking uh, I think a. Uh, a hundred plus people or more. So Corey will get that uh, get that signed up. I just committed to the the, the open bar all night kind of scenario there. So uh, came back and it's going to cost another three or four thousand dollars to keep it open all night. Um, will be some finger foods and stuff. So yeah, we're booking it. I don't know the venue name. Uh, we will not have buses to the venue. You will have to get your cabs or get yourself to the venue. Um, it is a nice venue. It's a restaurant. So we're taking over a restaurant somewhere. Cost me like, you know, thirteen or $14,000 to, you know, party with you guys uh, again in, uh, in, in Europe, which will be fun. All of the experts to come are all very European centric and we will have that party and Corey will, I'm sure, make the announcement uh, shortly uh, for, for Reg. Uh, yes, I will. Yep. Perfect. Uh, Okay. Well, one thing about vSphere 6.7 U1, it will break Veeam backup. If you have Veeam in your environment, pay attention before you update. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So this is always this is always a key with a, a new release of hypervisor. Um, you want to check the chain of um, things that depend on specific hypervisor versions. So if you have a backup software, if you have replication software, if you have disaster recovery software. You want to make sure that all of that works with the new version before you upgrade. But you can always, you know, set up a lab and, and kind of lab out those upgrades ahead of time anyway. That's always recommended. All right. 
All right. Well, we're going to get to our guests now as we've had a, a great news session. Uh, so on this show, again, I'll just remind everybody, we have Dan Ellison. Uh, Dan, I always mess up people's last names. It's the thing I do. So if you want to correct me on the name, you are Cloud Solutions Architect. Welcome to the VMware Community Roundtable Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me on today. Yeah, yeah, uh, no problem. Uh, lo looking forward to it. So, uh, first thing we always do to, for new, I think you're the. This is the first time on the show, so we always ask, "Who are you? Uh, how long you've been working in uh, the industry? Uh, where have you been?" And, uh, and and then we'll get into what you do here. So, why don't you give give a little bit of an elevator pitch? Who are you, and uh, what do you do? Who am I, and what do I do? Well, uh, so I work in the public cloud specific solutions group here at VMware. So it's a, it is an interesting place. It is an interesting group to be a part of uh, at a company like VMware. Um, so we, we run around and we deal in uh, all things AWS, uh, Azure, and, and Google Compute specifically these days, and specifically figuring out not only how our customers and sometimes different groups within our customers are interacting with those environments, but you know what they're trying to do and how some things that uh, we make here at VMware or that we are in the process of making here at VMware may help them uh, through various right. parts of their journey. So it is an interesting role so, to have. Great. And uh, what did you do before you came to VMware? And uh, yeah. Yeah, so this Don't is actually my second stuff. job at VMware. Um, All right. So my, my second job at VMware. I, I got here in 2013 uh, on the heels of the NICERA Networks acquisition. Um, so. I was uh, fortunate enough to, to be an early member of the sales engineering team in the uh, network and security business unit. Uh, worked with some of, the, uh, some of the guys in the early days of NSX from uh, before the time we actually announced and launched the project uh, up until around a year and a half ago when I transitioned over to this role. And so uh, before that, I was at uh, you know, a tiny little outfit called Cisco Systems uh, for uh, about seven years or so as a service provider networking uh, person, uh, technologist over there. So it's kind of how I've made my way. Now, when you got to VMware, did you, did you, were you surprised to find out that we weren't just all networking? I'm sure that, you know, Nicira, you were all networking, and then we bought you, and probably somebody told you that we were just all networking. And then you got here, and you're like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> no, in a, it was actually kind of the opposite experience. I got a call from, from someone from VMware, and I said, me? Why? Why do you guys want to talk to me? <laughs> it took about uh, 15 minutes, I think, before we understood each other. So it was, uh, it was good. Good, good, good. All right. So you've, uh, so you've been here. How long? I, I, I missed how many years now? Like three years now? Five? 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 No, I've, I've been here just over five years now. Yeah, it would have been five years in the spring. I can't believe we did. we've had Nicira for five years. That's, yeah, that's crazy, right? I guess we really didn't get Nicira out as a product for like two years. So, and right. then the experts managed to get it like somewhere around two and a half years. So that makes that makes sense, right? All right, well, all right. So now you've you've transitioned to a new role, which is you're 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 doing marketing for cloud oriented stuff, um, and uh, and that's interesting in its own right. Is is most of the stuff that you're you're managing, you know, a multi-cloud environment like AWS and Azure and other things uh where do you where do you get where do you spend your time uh you know in this space yeah so me specifically i spend a lot of time in the um in the kubernetes and and kind of cloud native app container ecosystem uh, that's kind of become my personal specialty on the team 
Uh, I have another uh, colleague who I'm sure some people on listening to the podcast will be familiar with, Mr. Sean O'Dell, uh, who spends a little more time on the cloud operations uh, side of what we do. Uh, and then we work with a gentleman named uh, Bill Shetty, who is our, uh, you know, our, our third team member and uh, sort of player coach, if you will. So we, nice. we mix it around a little bit, but we do deal in all the major clouds. I mean, um, obviously, Amazon Web Services takes up a lot of our time because of their, you know, their market share and their presence, especially here in North America. Um, but we are spending, you know, an increasing amount of time in Azure, an increasing amount of time with the folks from Google uh, as time goes along here. So I, I imagine it will settle into a little more of an equitable split, I think, as we, uh, as we go forward over time. Well, before we get into your, your power session, you are doing a power session at VMworld, right? I am accurate on that, on that data point. Data point. I believe I am. Yes, I'll uh, I'll have another one. I had a couple in uh, Las Vegas, and I'll have another one here in Barcelona. Great, great. So, but before so, we get into, yeah, into into where flying to Europe and to do do your power session, um, uh, I forget what the question was going to be before we got to that. Uh, but um, well, we'll let that one go and just and 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 move on. So you are doing a power session. You did power sessions uh, at uh, US, and uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about Kubernetes, right? And uh, where we are from a product perspective. We I think we had a guest on to talk about uh, KVE and uh, Kubernetes. Uh, the the uh, right yeah PKS PKS and. Uh, I think it's KVE, which is our, our cloud-based uh, Kubernetes offering as a service. Um, where are you with respect to um, Kubernetes? Uh, from, a, from an industry perspective, uh, you can just give us a summary of where, we, where you were, and uh, I guess you, you've transitioned into this, uh, and how did you transition into this, and uh, where do you think we are, and then, then we can transition to what your power session is. Yeah, so, you know, VMware, I think, we're maybe further into the Kubernetes ecosystem than, I, than a lot of people would think initially. Um, so, you know, obviously we have, we have two offerings. We have the, the self-managed offering in PKS, uh, and then we have the managed service, you know, cloud service model with uh, VMware Kubernetes Engine, or VKE. Um, so I work very closely with the VKE team because their uh, delivery and operations model fits very closely with what my team does. Um, you know, we have a fairly unique service in that regard because, um, you know, most of the other cloud providers have a Kubernetes-based service. You know, whether you're at uh, Azure, Amazon, or Google, they all have one, and they're all generally something KE or something KS, uh, depending on the particular cloud provider. Um, but the way those tend to work is they, the providers will manage the core infrastructure of the cluster. So they'll manage what are called the master nodes. Um, but generally, they'll deploy the worker nodes or the actual uh, resources and machines where all the Kubernetes containers get deployed. Um, they'll deploy those into the individual customer's account. And if you look at kind of how the responsibility model works, that means that fundamentally, if something happens to one of those worker nodes where all of your containers live, um, you're, you're sort of left to fend for yourself to a certain degree uh, as an end user or as a consumer of that service. And they make sure that the control plane endpoint is there so that you can access your cluster and add resources to it and things like that. Uh, with VKE, we actually run a fully managed service. So we're managing both the master nodes as well as the worker nodes. So if you have a worker node failure, 
we are responsible as the service owner for bringing that back up, making sure all of your workloads that we're running on at the time come back up in a reasonably predictable way, um, and that you have a little more assurance around that. So it is a little bit of a different model. Uh, and what we're finding with some enterprise customers, especially ones that are earlier, let's say, in their, in their journey uh, with containers and Kubernetes, um, they, like the, they like the security and they like the knowledge that we are managing the whole service for them and not, um, and not part of it. And that's really interesting. I, I think that is actually quite a large differentiation. The whole idea of going in and getting a managed service is that somebody else is managing it. And to, to have the idea that you're paying for managed service, but you're still responsible for the, the health and care and feeding of part of the service seems like kind of a gap if, uh, if <laughs> that's what you're expecting. So you're yeah, that you know, it is interesting that way. Um, you know, the cloud providers would tell you that what they run is not a fully managed service. Um, you know what I mean? They would, they would call it a cloud service or a, an infrastructure service or something. And, and so they make the differentiation that way. Um, and, you know, we identified a, a place where we could be different, and so we went down that, that path. Um, you know, we're also, we've also built the service to be multi-cloud capable um, off the bat. So um, right now the regions we're running are fundamentally Amazon regions, um, but we will be adding uh, Azure regions here in the future to give us a little more uh, diversity of cloud regions. And those will function exactly the same from a Kubernetes perspective as our Amazon-backed regions would. Got it. Got it. That, that, that's a big difference, too, because I think that some people, you know, would question, you know, what is, is there an advantage to, you know, not using a, uh, you know, the specific cloud provider version, you know, since they maybe know their, um, their service best, right? But what we're trying to do is provide like a, like a, a multi-cloud, like a, the ability to, um, move from region to region, from provider to provider, and still have um, some, uh, not, not have to change a whole lot. Right. Nothing um, at all, actually. You have to change a region identifier. So it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward from that perspective. Well, let's talk about the customer dynamic for a, for a little bit. I don't know if you get exposure to customers uh, when, when as part of your role, but uh, if you do, then uh, one of the one of the things that I, I, I get into is uh, how much of the engagements are we engaging with current uh, you know IT customers right with data centers that are looking to expand their role versus uh, coming in you know from a DevOps or a developer perspective and working with developer teams that are actually looking at deploying next gen apps right and so how much of this is layering into existing uh, vSphere VMware customers and data centers versus how much is your interaction working with you know, people that are just interested in having as having Kubernetes as as a service, and they're just they're just building next gen apps. And uh, where's the overlap there? Is there? So there is an overlap, and and it's been an interesting uh, it's, it's been kind of an interesting dynamic to navigate as we've gone through. Um, you know, when we started out, obviously, and and I do interact quite a bit with customers. So I'm a I'm a former sales engineer. So uh, some old habits die hard, um, but uh, you know, we, as we started out, right, a, a lot of our initial customer discussions and initial relationships were, were coming on the back of existing relationships the company had, right? And that tends to be, um, you know, more of a, a 
VMware and vSphere data center administrator audience. Um, so, you know, we've started there and what we've heard from some of those folks is, um, hey, my development teams that I work with internally are telling me I need to be able to support, uh, you know, a Kubernetes offering or a Kubernetes infrastructure for them going forward, or as sometimes has been the case, my executives are telling me that because my developers are spending, you know, some obscene amount of money in the public cloud. Um, you know, and I need to be able to support this. And so, you know, how can you, you know, how can you guys help me figure out how I can, you know, support that and not have to completely reinvent the wheel from, you know, where I'm coming from and the tools I currently use. Um, we certainly had that conversation and continue to have it to this day. But I think as time has gone on, either through, you know, my team being out at industry events and things and some developer events or um, even through internal introductions, I guess, within some of our customer organizations, um, we've started to talk to actually some of the development teams and lines of businesses themselves of our customers. Um, and so they have a, a, an interesting, you know, take on what can often be the same set of requirements, but, you know, viewed through a different lens and a different perspective. Um, and, you know, and what I've found from talking to them is that oftentimes the line of business or the development group, uh, in a lot of ways, they don't always necessarily care, um, you know, where their Kubernetes clusters run or, or some of those things. They just want access to the tools that they feel they need, which, you know, is a Kubernetes cluster and access to whatever, you know, external services, database services, uh, queuing services, and other things that they need. And as long as uh, they can get that through our service, they're, they're amenable to it. Um, and so, you know, then it becomes an interesting balance of, of kind of, um, balancing the wants and desires of those two groups because, you know, at the end of the day, they're fundamentally trying to deliver the same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, they're both trying to work together to deliver an application that has some value to the organization they work for. Um, they just have different skill sets and a little bit of a different lens at times on, on what the priorities are um, to, to get there. But fundamentally, it's the same end goal, I think. Yeah, it's that balancing act. It, it's interesting. Once um, a team is interested in that tool, right, the, the platform, they've, they've decided that what they want to consumers, Kubernetes, as you pointed out. Um, probably the first iteration of that is a, you know, a developer taking on managing um, maybe a small local uh, cluster installation. And, you know, they hack it together, get it working. Hey, you know, the, the output is great. But then, nobody on that team actually wants to own running that service, right? Um, so then that's when you maybe go and consume it in public cloud, or you know, maybe alternatively, uh, somebody's done it before somewhere else, and so they say, why don't we just consume the, the you know, public cloud version as a pilot, and you know, again, they, they like the, the platform that they get, but, but then you know, comes scaling, and scaling is always, always the problem, right? And, uh, Adopting it as a corporate standard, you know. So it's really interesting. I, I'm it's interested in maybe the kinds of problems that you know these customers are trying to solve. The kinds of problems they're trying to solve. You know, I think they break down fundamentally if, uh, on, along a couple main lines, right? Um, there's almost always a there's a speed or agility problem, right, in that wherever you are today is not quite fast enough or not as fast as it should be. Um, you know, and so there's always a, you know, how can we 
you know, how can we derive a little more efficiency here? How can we get a little a little faster and a little more agile in terms of what we're doing and, and whether that's actually developing or deploying or scaling, you know, it, that's all an agility conversation in my mind. Um, but the second one that I think is more interesting and maybe more interesting to us at VMware as a company um, is Kubernetes can be a mechanism for portability. Um, it, because if you, if you look at what you get in Kubernetes, you get a, a predictable um, abstraction over essentially any infrastructure and even infrastructure you don't control at all. So between that and you know, container runtimes like Docker, you begin to get to a very portable place where I could feasibly, as long as I have a matching Kubernetes API version in one, you know, on one cluster in one environment and on a second cluster in a different environment, you know, I get to the point where I could basically pick up my container definition and run it again, you know, on premises and in the public cloud, in our managed service and, you know, somewhere else. Um, you know, and so that I think is very interesting. And when you look at, you know, even the offerings we have in terms of VKE and PKS, you know, the potential to, for example, get started with Kubernetes in a managed service in the cloud and then as I build up my competency internally, deploy PKS on premises and you know, either move some of those applications and runtimes that I had running in the managed service back or run replicas and other things um, in these multiple environments, you, know, you get to a very flexible, very fungible place um, with your resources, which I think um, you know, is a very interesting and very desirable thing for a lot of the customers that I'm uh, out talking to right now. And, and ultimately, um, you know, if we put them in that place where they can be very flexible, they can then decide over time and as their needs change, you know, where they need to be. You know, today they may need to be public cloud heavy. Tomorrow they may have a reason to be more on-premises heavy, and that may even flop again, you know, further on down the line. So uh, I think the packaging element and the flexibility that comes with it um, is, is maybe, a, it's maybe a second or third-order third problem. It doesn't show up for everybody right away, but I think the longer they use it, the more that tends to find its way to the forefront. Interesting, because it's analogous uh, advantage to what the hypervisor uh, that portability, the flexibility, slicing of resources, and abstraction, and not being dependent on a specific environment. All right, so we're going to transition a little bit because I, I got other things to talk about here, yeah. so especially with Dan. Uh, first, but before we do a kind of high-level conversation on AWS, I want to touch base on uh, the session that I see in uh, Schedule Builder for Europe, uh, which I got you on two sessions. One is Code 5615E, and that one is Seamless Integration Between AWS Services and VMware Kubernetes Engine. So do you want to do just a, a quick summary of what you're going to be talking about when uh, in, in that session? Teaser. Tease me. Tease us. <laughs> right. So uh, that's actually a, it's a great session, right? So I really like it because I get to talk about uh, not just VMware Kubernetes Engine, which I'm obviously very uh, excited about and very high on, but um, you know how because we're fundamentally running on top of Amazon regions right now, how I can bridge that environment to the native Amazon services that live out there. So looking at things like, hey, 
I have a Kubernetes application running, but I want to run my database in RDS. Uh, I want to take advantage of you know, Amazon's simple notification system or in the simple queuing system to um, do some message passing to other things. Maybe I want to integrate a Lambda function um, as, a, as a triggered event to, to go and do something outside of my Kubernetes cluster, right? So it's really about extending the environment. Uh, and so, you know, we'll talk about what the approach is to, uh, to doing that with the tools we have available in the, in the service. And we'll use um, one of our kind of sample demo app applications to show some of those functions uh, against uh, a couple different services. Are you going to talk about um, using the services natively, like directly, using uh, consuming their APIs directly versus um, writing your own abstraction layer for the API, so it's a little bit more portable from provider to provider? Yes. Yeah, so th the way I do it in my app, I'm actually calling the uh, the APIs directly um, off of my Amazon account credentials. Um, there's also a couple things we can do in Kubernetes to actually map uh, an endpoint for an external service. So I can essentially map my RDS database endpoint and reference it in my application as RDS. Um, and then that, of course, gets translated to the endpoint. So we kind of do it in a couple different ways. Cool. Nice. Nice session. Code 5615. Not sure what the what the availability is. I know a lot of these guys have uh, you know started to start to fill up, but I think there's some space in some of the Kubernetes ones in general. So hopefully yours is still still bookable. It says I can schedule it, so I think I still can. It says I'm not scheduled yet there, but um, don't know add to schedule. So I think it's good. Uh, another one I have you listed on. Uh, you're doing a, a joint one with Bill, I think Bill Shetty, um, which is use cloud services to deploy and maintain apps in a multi-cloud environment. So. Uh, looks like uh, a lot of the same stuff, uh, but we have tools and things you can be using along uh, with with everything. So it looks like a, a, a nice a nice session. That's an hour long session versus your other one is only half an hour. So it looks like you'll be uh, drilling down into uh, components that you can be using to manage your 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 apps in a multi cloud environment. Multi cloud is interesting. Are you going to be uh, yeah showing so an app public cloud? Yeah, so from a multi-cloud context, it's, it's interesting, right? Because even our, you know, when you say multi-cloud, everybody goes, oh, okay, so you're going to do Amazon and Azure or Amazon and Google or something like that. And, and we, we do do that. Um, but there's, you know, kind of another permutation to that, I think, right? Because we have, let's say, the native Amazon experience as well as the, um, VMware hybrid cloud experience, right? So if we have the VMware hybrid cloud running on um, SDDC and VMware cloud on AWS, um, you know, we think of that as a hybrid cloud stack. Well, if I'm also running a native Amazon stack alongside it, and I want to, you know, think about and use some of the same tooling against both of those environments, that becomes a multi-cloud story fundamentally. Um, so, you know, we look at it from that perspective. You know, this session with Bill and I, um, we kind of break it into two pieces. We look at what we think of as day zero activities, so um, provisioning, deploying, um, these sorts of activities, and we spend a little bit of time on that, both in uh, an instance, a compute instance or VM-backed um, frame of view, as well as uh, Kubernetes. And then uh, we have a cloud operations section where we look at some of our uh, cloud operations tools, you know, uh, log intelligence, wavefront, some of these sort of things for 
okay, now you've got your apps out there. How do you um, aggregate information from them and, and be able to look at kind of the overall health of your apps that may be touching a couple of different environments? Very cool. Nice, nice, nice session. All right, so we have maybe 10 or 12 minutes left here. Uh, Last thing I want to touch on, uh, and, I, and I know you're here, and I've had some really good conversation with you and Bill around this, is the, is, is the trend that's happening with IT practitioners. I mean, we're a community podcast, so it's, it's good to touch base with this. Like, where there is, a, there is this idea that VMware is becoming a bookseller on, on cloud environments, i.e., you, you if you look at AWS, you look at Amazon as a whole, right? Uh, Amazon is there to sell things, right? Um, and and they, they've built a compute framework to, to sell things, right? Like, uh, just like they have a shipping framework to sell things, they have a compute framework. And and Amazon doesn't really care what they sell. They'll sell everything that anybody has, right? Mm-hmm. And and I see VMware transitioning from a, you know, pure infrastructure in your data center to infrastructure at the, at the, at the, a book shipper, right, or or what we call AWS, right, which is which is a transition that everybody has to kind of kind of understand in the compute business is that uh, there is not a giant bookseller that's selling books, which is really compute services. And uh, VMware has actually got some really good solutions in that, and we all have to make that transition. And Dan, Bill, Dan and Bill, you guys are both in the forefront of of, of dealing with the cloud uh, apps that VMware is selling on AWS, right? So, uh, and you know, just to tick off a few, we got VMC on AWS, we got VKE, uh, we got cloud security and sub- compliance, we have NSXT, we have Wavefront, we have SRM, Horizon. Uh, and then we actually have some Amazon products that we sell uh, VMware sells, whether whether it be RDS or Greengrass, right? Mm-hmm. So in a real sense, we're 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 transitioning into kind of a portfolio of products that that are on AWS, are available on AWS that might not have anything to do with the, the the plumbing or the hardware, right? That we're selling, and you wouldn't have to necessarily run any of these things on vSphere, on top of vSphere, right? These are right. kind of products that you can build. And now we, we didn't even talk about Cloud Health, cloud right? Health, and right. the fact that we've acquired a management app like Cloud Health that really looks at the business aspects of running your stuff on AWS. Or right? previous uh, acquisition, right. Cloud Corio. Right, right. So, so, so tying it back to Dan, right? I know you guys support all of these. You, you specialize in Kubernetes, but, but you and Bill in general have some insight around... Um, around this notion that VMware as a business uh, needs to transition into these roles. And our IT practitioners need to t- understand that we actually sell things that are, have nothing to do with VMware, right? Like that there, there's products that just run on AWS that provide you function. Uh, how much of your marketing activities or engagement are with people that haven't really aren't really running vSphere, right? Um, do you get, you know, are you, are you into that space? Uh, and what are your challenges when you're kind of working with the IT practitioners and stakeholders around, uh, you know, around this transition? Or do you even get into that? So I'll, I'll be quiet now and let Dan comment. No, we do. Uh, you know, 
our 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 little team uh you know bill myself sean and then we we have a couple other uh gentlemen that have joined the team here in the last uh, year or so so we've got uh tim davis who i'm sure some of you know down in down in texas and then a, a gentleman named prabhu Bharati up in uh, the new york city area who work with us now um davis and, never and, that, 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 that guy must be a loser <laughs> no, we, i don't know he seems, he seems all right yeah. so far we'll, we'll see how it goes yeah but uh, no, you know, so it leads to a lot of very interesting discussions that we have among ourselves and, and usually are, are kicked off by our recapping something one of us talked about with a customer recently because we do end up in the middle of all of it. I mean, you know, now I think we're getting to a point where we've started to be out at events where, yes, I've now talked to a couple customers that have never purchased a, v- a VMware product full stop. They've never purchased anything with a VMware logo on it. Um, and now we're having a conversation about, you know, Kubernetes and metrics monitoring with Wavefront and, and some of that stuff because it's a very, you know, they are very developer-centric and or are a development group themselves, and that's what they care about. And at the same time, um, you know, Sean, myself, Tim, right, we, we've all been here, been around the company for a little while. And so, you know, we're also having conversations with our previous relationships both inside the company and with our old customers who are saying hey you know I'm getting asked to do this new thing I'm getting asked to make this transition you know how do I do this Um, you know I get calls from old customers of mine that say yeah this thing is great but I don't want to upgrade it and run it myself anymore do you guys sell it as a service yet Um, you know and then what does that look like and what are the dynamics involved in that so um, yeah we, we sit right in the middle of that uh, kind of nexus of things and, and sort of get pulled a little bit in all of the directions. But, you know, fundamentally what it, what it says to me is that um, we no longer live in the world of a few years ago where uh, basically, you know, we sold packaged software that people then took, installed, and managed themselves to do whatever it was they were trying to do. Um, the, the operate model and the consumption model um, is not so unified anymore. It's a little bit all over the place. Um, and so, you know, we as a company need to figure out, you know, how do we help people that have these different needs and these different ways they want to interact with us and our products. And to your point, that may mean, you know, selling some of this stuff through Amazon, running it on Amazon, running it both on Amazon and in another environment. Um, you know, right now that kind of means the whole, the whole set of things. And, uh, one of the really fun parts about my job is trying to figure out how to navigate that stuff. Uh, which leads me to my next point, which is it is also at times one of the most frustrating parts of my job because um, at times there are no right answers to that, right? And so that that both makes the problem really fun and interesting uh, as well as at times uh, pretty frustrating when you're trying to navigate it. So uh, it's good. It, it is good, but it's, it's an interesting inflection point we find ourselves at these days. And I know that, you know, we're making billion-dollar investment bets, right? VMware is, right? And it gets into some interesting, you know, community uh, conversations around what's our brand, right? So we call them V-experts. We're V-experts. We create V-expert brands. But as we move forward, how much V is going to be in the V-expert program? Or as a practitioner, I now have additional products that are interesting to me that I can actually, you know, engage with, blog about, uh, you know, talk about in our ecosystem. And I suppose to some degree you learn about it when a customer or your your 
current employer actually starts using that product. But uh, some of the experts are are just uh, out in, engaged, and you know we we have the expert, we have VMware Code, right? So these brands represent kind of VMware two, four, five years ago, right? As we're starting to acquire uh, new products in, you know, cloud native uh, spaces, uh, or I use native in the cloud, in the cloud, right? Pure cloud plays, uh, whether it be cloud health or others. Um, where, where does that leave the practitioner, right? Where does it leave our brands? And when we go forward and we're going to be in AWS, and uh, Dan, I, I think you're going to be there as well, you know, do we, do we call it VMware code? Do we call it code uh, and when people don't even know that it's actually VMware they're actually using Wavefront right where 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 do where do we lead and what does it mean to be a community member in this ecosystem so i think there's some interesting questions here around you know taking the community and we are showing at aw showing up at aws we are bringing Alistair cook and v brown bag and we are going to be code centric right uh, what does it mean for us as a community to transition from just a v everything to a you know everything right and 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 software as a service and software infrastructure management which might have not have to do with me so uh, interesting interesting comments I think that's less of a question for you Dan and more of a uh, I'm excited to go to AWS and kind of work some of this stuff out and offer up community uh, opportunities to shine in this area right um, which is why we're bringing VD Brownbag there which is why we have a booth there which is why we're spending 200k to get there and to do everything we do at a conference that we don't even own right 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 so interesting well, it's the continuing evolution of the IT operations role right because it certainly right. it, it what it is today isn't what it was 10 years ago and it isn't what it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago right, right? it's all, all constantly changing right. and i want to take back to like uh, john troyer and others Right and and uh, uh, Michelle Laverick and others and get their opinion on hey as we move forward with these products and these offerings and there's guys like Dan out here that are you know doing multi cloud right and and look at our V position and go huh yeah that scratched their head now I'm sure Dan won't say that in a public podcast but uh, <laughs> possibly I've had a couple of coffees with Bill and Dan where we've had that conversation right of uh, what does it mean to have the community engaged in these places and how V centric are we versus uh, versus is, you know, customers and, you know, the wave of people that are showing up on AWS. It's a mixed bag for sure. So, well, there's the, there's also the, um, the dilemma of, you know, following versus leading, right? right. Are we following where the market is going or right. are we trying to lead the market in a way that we think is beneficial to the market? Right. Now in the, in the, you know, and I'll, I'll, we'll loop back to Dan for some final closing comments, but in my, my take, you, you also have to realize these are fun challenges. They're interesting to do yeah. and, uh, the, you don't have to outrun the bear, right? Yeah. You just have to outrun your competitors that are also running from the bear. And I think we really are on top of this. I think if, if I look at VMware and how we transitioned off of vSphere into multi-domain, and then I look at how we're transitioning into the whole cloud thing, I'm like, wow. You know, we have our, we have our challenges and things we have to work on. But if I look at how well we're doing compared to anybody else, I'm like amazed that we're actually, yeah. you know, transitioning. We have a portfolio of products, we have people, we have experts, uh, and we're uh, and we're and getting there. And so I think we're running faster than anyone else. There's a lot of people behind us that will get eaten by the bear. Right? So, Very true. So Dan, uh, you're going to be at AWS reInvent, I take it, and uh, I think we might have a, a session for you uh, at the at at the booth. Um, I haven't looked at the list to know for sure, but I know that we. 
we've been engaged with you guys and you've given us a, a great list of sessions. Anything else you want to close off with uh, with regard to VMworld or AWS? Are you going to be there at AWS? Uh, yes, yes and yes. Um, yeah, and then uh, about two weeks later, I turn around and go to KubeCon. So uh, I, will be <laughs> I will be all over the... Uh, Western Hemisphere conference scene for the next couple months. But, um, you know, look, I, I think it's a, really, it's a really interesting time, not just for us as a company, but, but for the industry, right? There are, are a lot of changes going on. And I think what's, what's been really fun to watch, if, if I can comment a little bit on some of the community stuff, um, you know, I, I look at it growing, growing what we all do overall. I mean, you know, if, if anything, it, it it doesn't diminish or, or put away any of the V stuff. I, I think it grows the overall footprint of what people are looking at and, and what we all have to do and care about. So uh, I look at it as an expansion more than anything. Um, now, you know, that doesn't come without some, uh, some level of stress, I know, because it's just more stuff that everybody has to know and keep track of. But, um, you know, that's, that's what people like me get to go run around and play with some of the new things, and, and hopefully we can help make that a little easier uh, for some other folks that, that maybe don't have the cycles to spend on it. But, you know, I, I think overall the world gets a little bigger for all of us, and I think on net that's probably generally a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it's a lot of fun, right? Totally agree, yeah. Uh, if, and, it was, if it was static, it wouldn't be fun, right? No, right, right, exactly. And uh, KubeCon, all right, going to have to put that on my list. With, uh, yeah. We do some coverage on that. And uh, we'll awesome. see you in Europe, and we'll see you in at AWS. And as always, thanks for coming on the show and sharing. We are spending a little bit more time on AWS this, this the next month because we are going to reinvent. <laughs> we have a booth and a coffee, a coffee machine, express machine. V, uh, Alistair Cook's going to be there, V Brown Bag. If you got an idea around an AWS session, go talk to Alistair. Uh, get in the queue. We don't have, you know, we, we have a limited number of sessions. You know, we're going to be there four days, but uh, the a reInvent is an interesting spot. Plus, we have a, some product ones are doing. So, uh, only a handful of community sessions, maybe maybe six to ten, right? So, depending on right. what we see come in. But uh, Alistair's doing a call for those, I think, later today uh, in Australian time. So, look for him if you got one. Um, uh, Dan, uh, how do you say your last name? Wilson. Ilson, Ilson, Dan Ilson, senior cloud architect. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing. And uh, and uh, we're at the end of the day. We'll transition to the uh, the V barbecue report. Uh, I know that Corey Romero has a one. I'll I'll do mine first. Uh, Got to do a shout out to Rolando Cole. Rolando Cole tweeted out. Um, he's at R O L M K. If you go take a look at that, he tweeted out an amazing. Uh, Argentinian barbecue, and I tell you, just looking at the rack of of uh, food there, I didn't get oh, it over to good. the live stream, so you won't be able to see it. But uh, that makes me hungry just looking at that. Yes. That's a that's a. And if you've been to the Argentinian, you know, pay thirty dollars and get all the meat you can eat. Mm -hmm. uh, it, your prostate prostate thanks you for that because right. it is a lot of a lot of meat and it's it's smoky and and good. Corey Romero, if you're still on the call, I know you did some barbecuing this week. Yeah, I did. I actually made a, uh, a Guinness burger, and uh, Guinness, I'm referring to the to the alcoholic beer Guinness, and uh, it was one of the most it was one of the most tasty burgers I've ever had. And the way I cooked it was real real simple. You just take a, a one can of Guinness, just the regular block stout, and you pour that into a, a cooking pot, 
and add uh, two tablespoons of cane sugar and a tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce, and you cook that down until it becomes almost like cough syrup thick, real thick. And it's not very much, you know, what's left after the, the, the water and alcohol and everything else is cooked out. And then what you do is about three-quarters three quarters of the way when the burger's done, you just take the, one of the brush, you know, a barbecue brush, and you brush the top twice, brush the bottom twice with, with the Guinness sauce, and then you add cheese, put it in your burger. It is amazing. One of the best burgers I've ever had. Very interesting. And I'm sorry, I forgot who tweeted this at me, but um, uh, so, somebody uh, sent me a, an idea for a smoky honey barbecue sauce. Um, and they said, uh, and of course I replied, oh yeah, that's right, because Eric is putting the API in apiary. Yeah. I'll get some honey from him and then we'll uh, work on a smoky honey. Nice, nice, nice. Right. Well, we got that. I'm going to try that. I've been that. selling my honey. Go. Go for it. Oh, I'm gonna try the. Sorry. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna try the Guinness sauce on uh, on pork ribs, pork baby back ribs soon. All right. If we go any longer, we're gonna have to call this the community barbecue podcast. That's so true, true. we're gonna let it go at that. We're at the top of the hour. Dan, thanks a lot for being here. Uh, everybody else, have a great week. Uh, we will be here again next week talking about the shows. Looking forward to it. And we will Thank hit the big record button now. Thanks, Dan. Yep. Awesome.